Now, Florida has a lot of immigrants, both domestic and international. And whether we like it or not, the nations are coming to us. So if someone observed your life for a week, what conclusion would they come to? That you are for immigrants living in our communities or against immigrants? Maybe a more important question is, would Jesus be pleased with your answer? My name is Danny Leitner, and this is Beyond the Notes. I was a pastor for 15 years before my family left for the mission field, and that's where we've been for the last seven years in the country of Zambia, Africa. Uh, We're missionaries with Family Legacy Missions International, uh, a Christian nonprofit that serves vulnerable and orphaned children in the capital city uh, of Lusaka. Now, we currently have about 11,000 children in our program, uh, and we own and operate 22 Christian schools uh, throughout the capital city of Lusaka. And we also have a residential care facility where uh, we have about 500 kids that live with us uh, full time. Now, for any listeners who have a passion for serving vulnerable and orphaned children, uh, you can find out more about Family Legacy and what we're all about at uh, www.familylegacy.com or just find me on a Sunday morning and I'd be happy to chat with you. Now, I'm talking to all of you today because I had the privilege of being the guest speaker this weekend at our GIC, Global Impact Celebration. And um, we had a great time on Sunday morning unpacking the parable of the Good Samaritan and the kind of love that God wants us to have for people, a kind of love that doesn't come naturally uh, to most of us. And we fall short of that kind of love that Jesus wants us to have. Now, fortunately for us, God is gracious and he's patient uh, with us, just like in any area of our lives that we need to grow in our walk with him. But if we're going to look at how Jesus wants us to love others, we need to take a deeper look into this topic of loving the immigrants that are here in our communities uh, and really do an honest self-assessment of the heart and make a plan for how we're going to grow in this area uh, of our lives. Now, before we go further, I I, want to make sure that we're all on the same page. And so let me define the word immigrant for you. Okay, so this is someone who's moved to another country, and in this case, the United States, uh, for reasons that could include fleeing violence or a natural disaster or extreme poverty. Uh, They may be reuniting with family, uh, looking for education or an opportunity for themselves uh, and their families. So refugees who are escaping violence uh, from war-torn countries most of the time are just like one of the subcategories of an immigrant. Now, we need to let the Bible guide our thinking on the topic of immigration. You know, one of our uh, key components of the mission statement here at McGregor is think biblically. Now, that's easy to say in a mission statement, but until it challenges my thinking, right? So what does the Bible say about loving immigrants? And does God love foreigners? Does he command us to love foreigners by welcoming them and meeting their needs? All right. In almost every passage of scripture where God commands us to love widows and orphans, there's also another people group that's usually attached uh, to that. And that's loving the alien or the foreigner, the stranger, the sojourner, uh, some versions might say. And widows and orphans are maybe an easy people group to love because they're very non-threatening. But 
loving aliens and strangers, uh, that's maybe a little bit harder, all right? And so why do we struggle with loving uh, foreigners so much? Well, here's some popular concerns about immigration that I have heard uh, over the years, and these are just a few. There's probably others as well. But I've heard phrases like, uh, well, they'll take our jobs, right? Or we'll be risking crime and our security, or we need to focus on taking care of our own. You know, there's so many people here in Florida that, uh, Americans that need help, you know, why not take care of them before people from other countries? Or concerns about their changing our town and the demographics of, of such. And while I could, I could go to many passages of scripture this morning to show you how God wants his followers to love the aliens, uh, Im- immigrants, refugees, etc. I'm going to take you to just one passage today, and that's Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 18 and 19. And here, Moses, who's writing the book of Deuteronomy, says, he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. Talking about God the Father. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. So then he turns it to us and says, love the sojourner, therefore. For you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. So it says here that God is the one who's providing food and clothing to the sojourner. And the question is, how does he do that? You know, know, when immigrants come over to America, does he make it so that their clothes don't wear out like he did to the nation of Israel when they were wandering in the wilderness? Or does he provide food for them like manna from the sky? You know, I've never seen that uh, with the immigrants uh, here in Florida. But I have seen many immigrants filling the clothing closet when they have it open here at McGregor or getting so much food from the McGregor food pantry. And that's the point is that God accomplishes his mission of feeding and clothing the sojourner through his children. And um, the McGregor clothes closet and food pantry are just two examples of how God does that right here in Fort Myers. Uh, But were commanded in the same way in verse 19 to love the sojourner. Now, why? What's the main motivation? What does it say in the text? It says, because I was once one. You were once one in Egypt. Like Israel, if anybody should understand what it's like to be a stranger in a strange land, it's you. you. You were in Egypt. Remember what that felt like when you were all alone and you didn't know the land, you didn't speak the language and how intimidating that was? Like, Imagine being a refuge for someone who's in that same position, is what God is saying. Um, You know, anyone who's spent time sojourning in another country um, that's not their own knows how intimidating it can be. And at the same time, what a breath of fresh air it is for someone to welcome you uh, into that uh, community and how encouraging just a friendly smile and the offer of help can be, you know. Uh, I have a story. When I was new to Zambia, uh, I was only in the country a few months, and our transportation manager at Family Legacy, he was a Zambian, his name was Anieti, and he told me, hey, if you ever need anything, just let me know. And he's just he handled all of our transportation, all of our vehicles. And so I was driving my own vehicle one day and got pulled over by police. Now, the police in Zambia uh, tend to be pretty corrupt, uh, just trying to get money out of... <laughs> 
out of you. And if your skin color is like mine, um, it makes you more of a target. And uh, so I was pulled over and she asked to see my license and I gave her my driver's license and it was an American license because I hadn't gotten my Zambian license yet. And in Zambia, you can drive for three months on a foreign license before you have to get your Zambian license. And I was within that window and, and she, but she was giving me a really hard time about not having it and I shouldn't be driving and I should uh, have hired a driver instead. And, uh, and so she said, this is an impoundable offense. You need to pull your car to the side of the road. And so I pulled it over and I was like, what? Like, she's going to impound my car? What's going on? So I called Anietti because he offered it. And uh, fortunately, this all happened close to our office. He was only two minutes away. So he drove and he had a Zambian to Zambian talk with this police officer and I was free to go. And I can't tell you in that moment just how much of a relief it was and how, how it felt to have someone advocating for me when I was a stranger and didn't know how to navigate um, the situation, right? And so that's the same breath of fresh air that we can be to people, that God wants us to be uh, to people. Now, every family has their own traditions and own rules of their house. Uh, Sarah and I have said many times to our children, we know the Joneses do it that way, but in this house, we don't do it that way. Or in this house, we don't say that. Or in this house, we don't act that way, right? And I believe one of the overarching values of living in Yahweh's house, being one of God's children, is we love the nations. It's what his family is all about. We love people of all skin tones, languages, um, because God does. And you see it all over Scripture. But I just want to look at the bookends of Scripture this morning to show you this. It'd be a great exercise sometime if you're have it as a goal to read through the Bible in a year or two years and just notice all the times that God focuses and mentions about loving the nations. It's incredible. It's a theme that's all throughout Scripture. It's a thread that's woven deeply. But I just want to look at the bookends today. So in Genesis 12, 3, when God talks to Abraham and he, he tells Abraham that I am going to make you a blessing to all families on the earth, all nations. And so what God is telling Abraham in that moment is salvation is going to be for all nations. And the Jews got this wrong. They thought salvation was just for them, uh, not for the nations. It's one of the reasons that Jonah ran when, he, when God wanted to show mercy to the Babylonians in Nineveh. And uh, they got it wrong a lot. But they were right that salvation was going to come from the Jews, but not just for the Jews. God always had it as his goal to make salvation open to all people groups. So then if you look at the other bookend of Scripture, in Revelation chapter 7, starting at verse 9, you see, did God accomplish that? Does God accomplish that? And the Apostle John writes, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne. God will accomplish his mission of having representatives from all people groups on the earth one day worshiping him. And we can be a part of that. And he wants us to be a part of that. It's what being a child of God is all about. It's the family business is God gets more glory. He wants glory from every people group on the earth. 
So I can hear God saying to us this morning, you know, I know that other Floridians have a lot of bad things to say about the immigrants that live among us, but not in this house. In this house, we will spend ourselves for the sake of the sojourner. And in this house, we will take the time to listen to the stories of foreigners. In this house, we will choose to love the alien and the stranger because I first loved you. And loving the nations and getting excited about that final scene in Revelation where all the nations are standing before the throne, it's what it's all about being in the family of God. It's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's ingrained into who we are. Following the leader means loving the nations. So how do we get better at it? In in my Sunday message, I set the stage for uh, what it's going to cost us to have this kind of love, because it will cost us. And I mentioned that the key to getting better at loving people um, that we aren't used to loving is just to practice it, just to do it. It's how we get better at anything. But I want to recommend a book to you, uh, an author by the name of Kent Annan, um, who is a professor at Wheaton College, has written a book called You Welcomed Me. And he includes in this book uh, good ideas for practicing loving immigrants and refugees in our community. And I was very challenged by it. And he says that there are things that we can do in our everyday lives that will either help us climb the mountain and basically achieve the um, ability that the Good Samaritan had when he was able to see someone in need who was of a different race than him and meet that need and have compassion on that person. So the, the little things that we do in everyday life can either lead us up that mountain or, if we're not careful, can send us down this slippery slope of dehumanizing people. And obviously, as followers of Christ, we want to avoid the slippery slope and climb the mountain instead. And so he gives some ideas of just these are the kind of things that will take you down the, the slippery slope of dehumanizing people. And these are things that we should avoid. And so he says, number one is absorb media that speaks unkindly and unfairly about foreigners. You know, it it happens when immigrants are falsely characterized as more prone to violent crimes or falsely labeled as the cause of our economic struggles. And if we're constantly absorbing that kind of uh, media, then it will affect our view of foreigners. Uh, Let a slur go uncorrected. (laughs) You know, so uh, if I make a joke or even one of my friends makes a joke, but I say nothing about it, I I slide a little further toward not seeing people as God sees them. And if I fail to see the image of God in people, and sometimes I might see people as threats, you know, I, I talked a lot on Sunday about idolizing safety. Uh, And that's one of the things, you know, because we so idolize safety, like we just want to stay away from any threats. And that's, I think, one of the things that keeps us from welcoming uh, immigrants. Um, And we need to, instead of seeing people as threats, see them as children of God who need compassion and who need refuge. So how do we climb that Good Samaritan scale instead? Well, I gave some ideas on Sunday about what we see in the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. Uh, the four kinds of love that God wants us to show to people. So if you didn't get the chance to be in our Sunday services on Sunday, I'd encourage you to uh, look up the, the video of Sunday's message. But I can summarize all of that by saying this. We need to take the time to get to know an immigrant and learn their story. 
So that's your homework assignment. If you're serious about wanting to be more like Jesus in this area of welcoming uh, the immigrants because you want to be a part of that God's global mission, right? Um, here's your homework assignment is pick someone in your life who is an immigrant who you know a little bit, but whose full story you've never heard. And I think if you say, well, I don't know any immigrants, you're probably living under a rock, right? Because they're all around. I'm sure at your school, at your kid's school, here at church, at the bank, uh, or your neighbor across the street, there's someone who, at your, um, who, you pro- who probably has an immigration story to tell and you don't know the full story. So I'd encourage you to say something like, you know, we've known each other for a long time and I know you're from Cuba. Uh, but I've never heard your story. And could I buy you lunch or coffee sometime and ask you to share your story about where you came from and what your home is like and how you came to live here? If not, I understand, no problem. But if so, it would be an honor for me to hear more of your story. So just become a learner. Take the posture of a learner and try to put yourself in their shoes as they talk. And I guarantee you that if you do this homework assignment, that you will take one giant leap up that mountain towards being like the Good Samaritan, ultimately like Jesus. And you'll start to develop that love for the nations that God wants us to have. So be sure to tune in next week uh, to the next uh, podcast where the teaching team at McGregor will resume on the topic at hand uh, in the book of Genesis. Genesis.